Pastor Xavier Reese on the future of Israel. God will save his remnant. Romans 11, Paul makes this clear. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them. God is not through with Israel. Don't let anybody teach you that. The covenant of Israel in relationship to the millennium will be fulfilled, won't it? Absolutely. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Today, it almost seems that nearly every nation, in one degree or another, is involved in some sort of conflict. Is there any chance for peace? Well, today, Pastor Xavier says there is. Let's join him as he takes us back to his study in the book of Ezekiel for an in-depth look at the prophecies recorded there. The prophet Ezekiel has given to us a good record of God's involvement with Israel and world affairs through these visions and the revelation of God's word. Chapter 1 through 3, in Ezekiel, he gave the commission of Ezekiel, the watchman of the nation. He reaffirms it in chapter 18 and 33. Then he presented the present judgment of God against Judah and Jerusalem prior to the fall of Jerusalem from chapter 4 to 24. That was judgment. Then he gave us 25 to 32, which was the future judgment by God of the nations, the Gentile nations, after the fall of Jerusalem. And then we saw the future physical restoration of Israel to the land and the future spiritual regeneration in chapter 33 to 39. We have just finished 38 and 39, which focus on the destruction of the Russian invasion of the confederation of five Islamic nations, and God will destroy them. The conclusion of that battle is that God alone destroys them. The conclusion at the end of those seven years is that all nations will acknowledge God. No one will doubt who he is at the end of those seven years. And so what follows as he returns back to the earth and I was with him is the millennial kingdom, chapter 40 to 48. You have the temple, you have the uh, sacrificial system with its services, you have the reoccupation of all the land that God promised to Israel. That's the focus of these last chapters, 40 to 48. Now, the term millennium refers to a period of a thousand years, as you know. And there are various uh, views regarding the millennial, but there are three that are most prominent. Among these, you have the amillennialists, the postmillennialists, and the premillennialists. The amillennials, anytime you put an A in front of a Greek word, it negates the mill, which mill means thousand. It means no thousand. So their view is that they teach there will be no literal thousand-year reign on the earth. And so they interpret it figuratively or spiritually. This was introduced in the fourth century by a Donatist named Tychonius. Uh, and he taught that there is no such teaching as a literal millennium here on the earth. But he spiritualized it in that the reign of Christ really was in the age of the church that we're living in now from the resurrection of Christ until the parousia or when Christ returns for his church. Augustine, the great Catholic theologian, embraced this and made the thousand years figuratively and symbolic. Very, very dangerous. 
If there's no thousand years, what do we do with all these passages? You have to be careful how you interpret Scripture. The Bible is literal. It's figurative and symbolic. The context will always dictate what that is. Don't give subjective interpretation. Don't spiritualize where it is literal. You do violence to the Scriptures. There is the post-millennial view that was introduced in the 12th century by Abbot Jochen as the alternative view of the amillennial's teaching. And as men and women, we always respond to what is being taught wrong, and we go to the other extreme, (laughs) which is just as much error. They teach that before the end of history, there will be an age of the spirit, a period of spiritual prosperity and peace for the church here on earth. It was identified with the millennial statement in Revelation 20, though it's not its primary derived text. Today we call it kingdom theology. Uh, You're familiar with it by the statements during the 80s. Let's take back territory. Let's occupy. Let's get Christian politicians in because the world's getting better. Listen, if the world's getting better, man, I must have brain damage. There's no way. Now, technology is advancing, but all technology is doing is making us smarter sinners. That's all it's doing, okay? There is a premillennial view that was introduced in the 17th century by the influence of Joseph Mead from 1586 to 1638. He taught, and we'll see that it's biblical, that there will be a literal thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth that will be preceded by the personal second coming of Jesus Christ literally to the earth, and which will also include the bodily resurrection of the saints prior to the thousand years. Now, the interesting thing about this is that the early church fathers, if you do study on Justin, on Irenaeus, Tertullian, and many others, they involved the first 300 years of the church, and all of them were pre-millennialists. They expected Jesus Christ to return to the earth in glory to inaugurate the millennial kingdom on earth, then the last judgment, and this is exactly the way Revelation 20 lays it out for us. In fact, the Jewish expectation was the same of the Messiah's kingdom, the thousand-year reign. So when people say, well, the church fathers, I'm interested in what the church fathers say if they agree with the New Testament, okay? If the church fathers deviate from what the New Testament teaches, then I don't agree with the church fathers. So whenever we quote church history, you make sure that the church history you're quoting agrees with the New Testament and the scriptures. Not just because they were there, that doesn't make them the authority. I'm embarrassed for the most part of church history. Much of our church history in the 21st century, I'm embarrassed of. I want to see what is taught in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. So the scriptures, once again, is the standard. We at Calvary Chapel believe pre-tribulation, pre-millennial, that Jesus will come back for his church in the rapture before the tribulation, great tribulation, and that we will return back with him to set up the kingdom. That's what we believe. That's what we believe the New Testament teaches. That's what the first church fathers taught. And then as the Catholic church came in after 312, when Constantine married the church to the world, then they paganized everything. They twisted everything. They, you know, they didn't call the dark ages because they were real good ages. You know, they were dark. They were oppressive. They were ignorant. 
as an abuse of power. Now, some mistakenly teach, as I've told you before, replacement theology, that the church is literally spiritual Israel and that God is through with Israel. That's a great mistake. There's a great distinction between the wife who was put away by divorce, Israel, and the bride who is looking for the wedding, the bride of Jesus Christ. Again, those who believe the church will usher in the kingdom age is called kingdom theology. They interpret the kingdom parables as the world getting better and better and influence of the church, and then they're going to usher the kingdom. That's not going to happen. Technology will advance, but not the righteousness of the gospel, not the goodness of man. The church is part of the kingdom, but it is not the kingdom. The church will bring in the kingdom, but as it comes along with Jesus. When we return with them, we will return with them to set up the kingdom, but we don't bring it in. It's a great mistake. Worldwide evangelism does not mean worldwide conversion, for the gospel is not universally accepted. Today, the emerging church, the seeker-friendly church, are growing by leaps and bounds. You know why? Because they're not using the word of God. They're not using the word of God as a standard. They're giving a friendly gospel. They're saying we can't be sure what the Bible teaches. I beg your pardon? God hasn't stuttered? It is very, very clear. We understand the word of God, what it says. And those who say they don't know and we can't really know, They're ignorant, willfully ignorant. Never apologize for God's word, for standing for it. If we don't know, we're in deep trouble. The teaching of the gospel has to be preached before Jesus Christ comes back to the earth, fails to recognize that the angel that's recorded in Revelation will preach the everlasting gospel to the whole world, Revelation 14, 6. Israel has failed and the church has failed in the message. Israel was supposed to be centripetal, bring the nations in to proselyte, but they exalted themselves. The church is centrifugal. It goes out to the nations, but we have failed to an extent. The Lord will send his angel to preach the everlasting gospel. Read it in Revelation 14, 6. Dwight Pentecost, in his book, uh, Things to Come, tells us that the amount of material in the scriptures regarding the prophetic announcement of the future millennial it said, is larger than any other subject in the Bible. We have more material on the thousand-year reign <laughs> than any other one subject. Amazing. And so we want to look at the whole of Scripture, give you a panoramic view, and we will look under three elements in relationship to the millennium. The first being the covenant of Israel in relationship to the millennium. The covenant is very important. That's the foundation. Secondly, the person of Christ in relationship to the millennium. And then thirdly, the spiritual character in relationship to the kingdom. The covenant of Israel in relation to the millennial. This is the foundation. You have to go back to Genesis. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 to 15, the Abrahamic covenant regarding the land and the seed has not been fulfilled. They're back in the land, we know, but they had never occupied all the land, as we'll see. In fact, he told Abraham there, he says, And the Lord said to Abraham, After Lot has separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are now, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants, listen, forever. That promise has never been fulfilled. Never. Solomon never occupied that land. It's not occupied today. Isaiah 60, 21 says, also your people shall be righteous. 
all be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hand, that I may be glorified forever, he says. The land and the people go together. You can't separate them. They always go together. You can't have a land without the people. You can't have the people without the land. It is forever for their seed. Short-term-wise, again, Solomon fulfilled part of that, but long-term-wise, it will be during the millennial kingdom. Israel is looking for an earthly kingdom. We, the church, are looking for a heavenly kingdom. We're pilgrims and sojourners. We're not looking for real estate here. (laughs) Israel is. God gave the provisions for the return to the land based on repentance throughout their generations. Listen to Leviticus 26.42. Leviticus 26 is always key when it comes to the covenant. He says, Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac, my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember, and I will remember the land. Covenant, people, land goes together. Abrahamic covenant, we are told, will be fulfilled then in the millennium. Isaiah Uh, The prophet, as we studied and remember chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 3, he says, The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, uh, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass that in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come to say, Come and let us go up to the mountains of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You can't mistake it. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 8 through 9 says, And it shall come to pass in, the land, in all the land, says the Lord, that two thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one third shall be left in it. I will bring one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They shall call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each will say, the Lord is my God. Two of three Jews will die under the hand of the Antichrist. He'll bring one-third through. There's been terrible days for Israel. There's worse days ahead. Isaiah 51, 3 says, For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He shall make her wilderness like Eden and her deserts like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in thanksgiving and voice of melody. That's not what you see today. They're in the land, but they're constantly under war. So the Abrahamic covenant is the foundation. But then you have the Davidic covenant regarding the kingly throne of the Messiah. It also has to be fulfilled. You remember when David was promised by God in 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13. When your days are fulfilled, he says, and you rest in your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom, listen, forever. Solomon is a short-term fulfillment. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is long-term, because Solomon had an airhead for his son, Rehoboam, and he took... His young friend's advice, and the kingdom was written too. Jesus is born of the seed of David to sit on his throne. The Davidic covenant, we are told, will be fulfilled then in the millennium. Listen to Isaiah 11, 1 and 2 again. And there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. That's the line of David. And a branch shall grow out of its roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. That's Messiah for the thousand-year reign. 
also. Jeremiah 23, uh, verse 5 through 8. He says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. Listen, the Lord our righteousness, the Lord to sit canoe. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led the descendants of the house of Israel from the north country and from all the countries where I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. So he's not talking about the exodus of Egypt, but the one that he will bring from the north, Russia, and from all over the world of four corners at the end of the tribulation. To usher in what? The millennial kingdom. I will establish one shepherd over them, and they shall feed, he shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. Ezekiel 34, 23, we saw that. The thousand-year reign. So the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, but the everlasting covenant regarding the land has not been fulfilled, but it will be fulfilled in the millennium. It's an everlasting covenant. Again, Abraham was told by God in Genesis 17, 7 through 8, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, listen, for an everlasting covenant. Also, I will give to you, your descendants, after you, the land which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Everlasting, everlasting. My land becomes your land. You understand? If it's everlasting, it has to come to pass. It never changes. Ezekiel 16, 60, nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in my days, in the days of uh, your youth, I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Everlasting. Ezekiel 36, 28 and 29, then you shall dwell in the land and I gave to your fathers. You should be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. The abundance that would be happening in the millennial kingdom. Zechariah 10.6 says this, I will strengthen the house of Judah. I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have mercy on them. They shall be as though I had not cast them aside for I am the Lord their God and I will hear them. The present day, God doesn't hear them. Listen, listen. No temple, no sacrifice, no Messiah. You understand? That's what the tribulation and great tribulation is for, to prepare Israel for her Messiah. MSNBC Newsweek, February 207, uh, issues uh, here entitled, He Calls Himself God. A native of Puerto Rico, the Jesus 60, spent his youth drifting from Catholic, uh, Roman Catholics to the Pentecostals to the Baptists. Then one night in 1973, he says he awoke in a vision of two bulky, hulky men at his uh, bedside who announced the arrival of the Lord, who says to the Jesus, came to me and integrated with me. In the early years after founding uh, growing in grace in Miami in 1986, the Jesus didn't claim to be Christ. Instead, he worked as a pastor spreading his doctrine that under a new covenant with God, a new covenant with God, there is no sin, there is no Satan, and people are predestined to be saved. That's a weird covenant. But as his following expanded, his claims did too. In 1998, 
de Jesús about that he was the reincarnation of the Apostle Paul two years ago at Growing in Grace World uh, Convention in Venezuela. He declared himself Christ, and just last week he called himself the Antichrist and revealed the 666 tattooed on his forearm. His explanation that as the second coming of Christ, he rejects the continued worship of Jesus of Nazareth. By what he says, we can declare that he's a false prophet. But listen to me. This guy has thousands and thousands of followers, has created over 400 businesses to bring revenue in. And people follow him. Brilliant people. Professional people. Because they don't know the scriptures. You understand? The reality of the new covenant will be their new heart. Forgiveness of sins and being filled with the Holy Spirit as a nation. This has not yet happened. It has not been fulfilled, though Israel is back in the land. Jeremiah 31, uh, 31 through 34, we've seen. Um, Hebrews chapter 8, chapter 10 speaks about that future fulfillment. Listen to Jeremiah 31. 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days that I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Listen, I will put my laws in their mind, write them in their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. That will happen at the end of the tribulation, entering the new millennium. You understand? That's not happening right now. Ezekiel, if you remember, in chapter 36, verse 25 through 28, he says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit. That's the key, new heart, new spirit. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will keep my judgments to do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be Your God. God will take his wife Israel again to himself then. Hosea the prophet is very clear in chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. He says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and, I, and you shall know the Lord. The word loving kindness in the Hebrew is the word hesed. It's a covenant word meaning steadfast love. God's steadfast love for Israel is incredible. Now, not all that say are Israel are Israel. Paul points that out in Romans 2. But the remnant is there. God will save his remnant prophesied throughout the Old Testament. Romans 11, Paul makes this clear, 26 to 29. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them. When I take away their sins concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Speaking to the church. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the Father. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God is not through with Israel. Don't let anybody teach you that. The covenant of Israel in relationship to the millennium will be fulfilled, won't it? Absolutely. 
Whether we believe it, whether we can figure it out or not, it doesn't matter. It will be fulfilled. Pastor Xavier Reese and the incredible future that awaits those of the covenant. And there's much more to come next time. But if you can't tune in, you can always pick up a copy of this message. The title to ask for is Ezekiel's Millennial Kingdom. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. So once again, the title to ask for is Ezekiel's Millennial Kingdom. Or simply mention today's date. Now please address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Can Israel really find peace? Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com